Alright. So, let's talk about our next grounded subject. Our next grounded subject is, of course, sex. Yes. And not just any kind of sex, but the sex that nobody ever in their right mind ever actually talks about in a way that makes sense. <laughs> right. Okay, so there are two basic avenues that we're going to explore. And I'm not going to equate them to each other. Hopefully, I won't equate them to each other. And they shouldn't be mistaken for each other. But these are things that are viewed in so-called polite company, wherever that polite company exists. <laughs> wherever that polite company exists. As taboo subjects, right? So let's start off with what I would call the good taboo, right? The good taboo is that of transgressive bodies, right? The idea of the transgressive body is the trans body, right? All the gender bendy stuff that you want, push it all the way to the futanari, <laughs> to the Futanari hentai, <laughs> which gets extremely peculiar indeed, right? Oh, both sets of genitalia, and you can get, like, a bizarre medical cross-section of how the person is ejaculating out of their penis and also their vagina is being penetrated and also their asshole is being penetrated and also their mouth and there's this bizarre weird effect <laughs> occurring from every possible orifice <laughs> Every pole and every hole is filled by something or other. And, of course, they then proceed to ejaculate out of all those orifices and make a very big mess indeed. Alright. This is with or without Aldrich monstrosities helping them. <laughs> Anyway, so Aldrich monstrosities aside, let's sort of talk about the basics of transgender pornography, right? Specific set of transgender pornography I'm talking about is the masturbatory transgender pornography, right? There's a hyper focus on the penis for one and ejaculation thereof, which is hyper focused upon. But yes, so you do have the sort of transgender born, right? But 
besides consuming it myself to a very high degree for a very long time, since even before I questioned my own gender and identity and stuff like that, and generally fell apart to the point where, yeah, identity is a bizarre little arbitrary set of distinctions and categories that in, include and exclude certain other things and the things that are excluded can be also parts of who we are but we're that are not particularly salient at the present time so you have your alterity on top of that right yourself and your other internally what you are and what you aren't internally right separate from what you are and what you aren't externally in a social context. But sort of all those things and sort of breaking down and trying to find out and distinguish all those things and pretty much ending up in an atheistic camp or not even atheistic camp, right? Atheism sort of takes a position, but it's sort of the active non-believer camp right of someone who has just studied weird crap for far too long <laughs> right the non-believer camp right rather than specifically not believing a particular religion just does not believe in believing in shit at all. So the sort of notion that there is some kind of a reality to believe in or that there is some kind of an identity to believe in, yeah, nope, don't believe in it. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, people who believe in gender tend to suffer a lot. I suffered a lot for believing in gender, believing in one or an infinite number of genders. It didn't seem to matter what identity I believed I had. <laughs> it didn't seem to matter at all because people believed I had a different identity altogether right orthogonal identities like entirely confusing leading to ridiculous fights and torture and trauma and all sorts of minority stress from being queer and it's sort of that one okay we reject all the cis heteronormative stuff and we like move on to like queer stuff but then we do all this normalizing crap and then the normalizing stuff is good at first but then we end up with queer normativity and queer normativity does the same thing again unless you actually fit the specifically defined standard or definition or whatever of what it means to be queer or some version or paradigm of queer theory or whatever <laughs> right um, trans exclusionary feminism and you're like what the fuck are you doing 
No, no, we were, we were for women's rights, but we also racist and also men should not use women's bathrooms. Thank you. Okay, clearly identity is still a cause of suffering. It's still not a safe place, a home, something you can bet on and reside in, clearly. Right? Still causes suffering. Still causes suffering. Seems to cause more suffering than it actually helps with. Right? More and more and more defined, defined, defined definitions, definitions, definitions. It's like, no, how about we just try straight up incredulity in the face of all identity. <laughs> right? It's like, sure, I just don't believe in identity. <laughs> I believe that people believe in identity and they may have these identities they believe in as kind of habits they maintain or some kind of a lifestyle or maybe there's something sort of in their brain that sort of makes them do this but my brain doesn't seem to have that <laughs> like, don't don't believe in identity because in what part exactly of the body, what scale, what level are you going to exactly locate and say, if you remove this part, then this person will no longer at all have any kind of gender or sexuality. And how many of those parts do you have to remove until that person's gender or sexuality is something else? Yeah, no. <laughs> right? How many things? Right, it's the old, what is it, the old, what is it, Theseus's ship or whatever, right? A ship with a hundred parts goes to sea and within its basement or whatever, it's carrying a hundred completely different replacement parts for that ship, for each part of the whole ship. As the journey continues at sea, each part of the ship is destroyed and replaced. Let's say the initial ship was red and let's say the initial ship was red, right? Those are the original parts, so to say. And then the final parts that end up with are green, right? So you go off with a red ship and each of its part, each of its hundred parts are destroyed and are replaced with green parts. At what point exactly does it stop being a red ship or the same ship? And at what point does it become a green ship? Okay, that's metaphysics. Let's just go back and ground ourselves in this basic thing. Okay, so to get in touch with my feminine side and sort of come out of the closet and sort of weave together some kind of 
a healthy semblance of a sexual life. I sort of did the online sexuality thing, including making a pornography account. And I shot videos of myself masturbating and took pictures and I put them up online, orgasms and everything and eating semen and the breasts and the balls and the butt and anal and all these things, right? Fine, 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 fine and dandy, right? Okay, remember in high school when you had a fuck self-esteem and were afraid that you weren't attractive because attractiveness was divined and is a very rigid way? Okay, well, you can pretty much put up pictures of yourself naked or masturbating online and get thousands and thousands of views and likes and comments and people complimenting you in every which way, which until you get like a stupid amount of views, like 50,000 and 100,000 stupid shit like that, where you pretty much porn famous in those degrees until you're like professional status, verified account and all this other stuff until you get to like the so-called big leagues. You're pretty much um will only then get negative comments <laughs> right. oh, oh 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 you'll get misgendered people will gender you in their most insane ways referring to you with two genders in the same compliment sentence and it's bizarre <laughs> What was the one, like, one of the most recent one? It's like, what is it? Something about, I want you to make me, I, I, I want to make you my wife, my lady, so I can fuck your boy pussy. And, and I'm like, this is confusing. <laughs> you misgendered me in the most obscure, obscure ways. And I'm like... Yeah, you just called me a man and a woman. We're both wrong. I mean, I feel a lot more comfortable with like femininity, but the whole point of actually doing this experiment, right, and presenting fully as feminine and as non-binary, right, presenting a feminine body, right, which is what my body looks like, right, but if I had equally just simply taken all my pornography, gone to the gay section, presented as male, and presented exactly the same comp presented the same content just with a different frame, I would have been treated as male because of the context. Right, framing is all these things are. These labels are frames. It's like boxes that we 
put stuff in and we eventually forget about the stuff inside the box and sort of work and talk and discuss the labels boxes and boxes and boxes of weird weird shit and we forgot and we forget to play with all the toys but yes but yes Well, so sort of coming out to be sort of some kind of trans femme presenting as an aesthetic choice, right? Feminine presenting as an aesthetic choice because the aesthetic of masculinity is just terrible, man. It's just, yeah, just. Just shit colors. Who who wants to smell like a musk? Right? <laughs> who wants to smell like something called a musk? Like, fuck you and your musk. Sandalwood texture. No! Don't. Don't want to smell like sandpaper. Don't want to sand, smell like a hardware store or some kind of metal. No. <laughs> How about vanilla flower garden and sweets and all this other stuff? Yeah, I think I like that. Like smelling like a bouquet of very sweet smelling flowers. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> what is it? Lilacs and champagne. Yes. <laughs> that is an actual band, but gets the point across, right? But yeah, so sort of femme or sort of some really obscure idea of what femme means as sort of as an aesthetic right or rather the pretty aesthetic right i like prettiness and cuteness as an aesthetic and that is more associated with what is stereotype as feminine things Right, phenomenal sundresses. Like, nah, like to wear a sundress. Ah, a sundress sounds like a cool thing to wear, and they're usually really, really pretty colors and everything. Sort of obscure neutrals, man. Hey, hey just masculine fashion is just, just. <sighs> So tired of it. <laughs> so fucking tired of it. I mean, it ultimately doesn't matter and the aesthetic choice is arbitrary. But all choices are fundamentally arbitrary because of fundamental assumptions upon which our distinction and choices are made, right? Our premises, our assumptions, they themselves are on a very low level or baseless, right? They arise out of pragmatic 
necessity often after the fact rather than being actually defining of a particular action or phenomenon anyway back to grounded subject so we tried basically being transgender in the most transgender way that we know about which is by making transgender porn <laughs> made that transgender porn and uh, yeah self-esteem boost ego boost but it didn't matter because people are complimenting a bunch of shit it's more about them the compliments and critiques whatever they were were often always about them and what they thought and saw and really could not be meaningfully taken personally right the fact that you are horny or want to do something about your being horny is about your attraction it's not about anything i did right you feel attracted i may not be particularly objectively or ultimately attractive right <laughs> bizarre things man bizarre 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 things and you say thank you, and you say thank you, and you say thank you. But this also ties in with art as well. People say all types of shit about your art. Thousands and thousands of views of your art. Yeah. Oh, this is the thing I've been waiting for. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, yeah, right? It's the old trick, right? You have a problem with Christianity, the religion you're born with, so God doesn't answer your prayers when you were in pain. So you decided, the first thing you did was decide to try Satanism and Satanic rituals. No, this is stupid. You're still playing the Christian game. You're just playing for the bad side instead of the good side, but you're still playing the same game. Same thing with the gender binary. Oh, I'm not male, so I'm gonna necessarily go to the female side. You go to the female side, you find that the gender binary is still the gender binary. No matter which side of the binary you go to, you go off into the non-binary. You find out the non-binary is increasingly obscure and fragmented and has less and less clear definitions until eventually you realize the whole identity game is a fraught game of a lot of nonsense that possibly if people moved beyond it things would be better right it's not that my skin color or 
whatever description of my anatomy or presentation of my anatomy we choose to have isn't a particular way. It's not that that we're denying, right? We're not denying anatomy. We're talking about what that anatomy means and how we should therefore treat said anatomy based on those meanings, right? It's not a problem having a bra having breasts and a vagina or penis or whatever or not having any of these or whatever variation combination you want right doesn't matter <laughs> it's the fact that you think that any particular one of these is better and or worse than any of the others and then proceeding to treat those you perceive as better better than the ones you perceive as worse which you then discriminate and oppress against right Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <sighs> All right, so the porn and sexual games experiments, which led to some interesting types of sex, but eh. yeah. Eh? Yeah. If the first section was about pain, this one is about pleasure. And pleasure as a physical thing is just as fleeting as the pain, and you cannot take the pleasure personally. This is what sort of the enlightenment distanked detangles for you, right? You sort of, there's pleasure in a physical sense, or sort of like sensations of varying intensity and spectrums of pleasure and stuff. And you become more sensitive, more nuanced to these things. But enjoying something sort of becomes a choice, right? Enjoying something is sort of different from just feeling pleasure, right? Actually then taking the extra step to savor that pleasure. To dig in, to soak in, to get lost in the pleasure. Results to other obscure problems as well, man. Because <sighs> the pleasure will go away. <laughs> always does. Always does. The pleasure is always temporary. So like holding on to it and trying to make it continue forever is not really... Not really going to work. It would kind of get in the way of other functions. Get in the way of other functions. 
And then we have our other rabbit hole, right? Oh, of course, right? You experience childhood sexual trauma. So in some unfathomable, scary part of your brain, you have to eventually deal with the standards for what is appropriate that these things have set for you, right? Because it's not just, for me personally, it's not just, right? It's not just childhood sexual trauma, right? It's not just that. It's that in addition to incest as well. So yeah, that leads to very peculiar things in your brain. And so you sort of explore this incestuous side and this pedophilic tendencies within you. Parts of you that say, well, it happened to me. And in my personal case, it didn't. Okay, there were some neutral and just confusing cases. There were some other painful cases. But yeah, it's sort of, you get a general sense that it's on some level something normal to do, right? It is a possibility that actually happens in reality and thus it's something that can be done it's not some fictional story that exists in some news headline of something that happens far away in the world but it's something that happens in almost basically every household that exists there's always one or two stories and most likely the more interesting your friends are, the more, <laughs> the more likely that this was their origins, depending on how you define interesting. At least it's very common in my friend circle anyway. So, you have these bizarre incestuous tendencies and pedophilic tendencies, which are just parallels to the, um, what was it, the Electra complex and the Oedipus complex that Freud describes, right? If you as a child have some bizarre sexual ideas and ideation about your parents, what is the likelihood that your parents also have this similar function and relationship to their children, right? It is likely that it is a two-way street. It cannot be just a one-way thing. It's a very simple idea, right? Here we like to separate very, very clearly between pedophilia and pederasty, right? Pederasty is 
actually acting on in real life having sexual encounters of whatever shape or form digital or otherwise with minors with children who are younger than you who are much much younger than you with children in general right i'd say anyone who isn't 21 is pretty much a child right i mean what was it i think the lowest legally speaking the lowest age of consent for sex is 11 <laughs> right the age of 11 that's pretty fucking young puberty sort of starts at eight and nine or even earlier in some cases by the time you're pretty much five or even earlier you've been exposed to some kind of sexual phenomenon right sex is very basic and fundamental to human beings right the idea that I think we have sort of two ideas of sort of healthy childhood exploration of sexuality and sort of what we can generally call sexual awakening in childhood versus the adults who take advantage of these sexual awakenings, right? what is sort of the healthiest context for sexual awakening for human for humans in general to occur in right because it's going to inevitably come up right do you want them watching obscure sort of gore porn of the extreme kind on the internet and have them think that this is the way sex should be this is sort of the ideal or the standard or do you want a sort of more reasonable approach of degrees of intensity and a gradual moving upward in the scale to sort of a comfortable healthy safe and sane approach to these things right if certain setting works for psychedelics, certain setting definitely applies to sex <laughs> and sexual awakening. Definitely also applies to enlightenment as well. Right? If you have a numinous experience in a religious context, you will most likely reproduce that religious context indefinitely. If you have a numinous experience in nature, you will likely proselytize how great nature is. If you have a numinous experience while washing the dishes, you will probably talk about how washing the dishes is somehow phenomenal. Not exactly like that, but that's close enough. So we have this pedophilia side and we sort of have to deal with it as much as we have to deal with the incest side. Don't act on it. 
outside of a context of pure, pure fantasy that is best kept inside your head. <laughs> Involving no real people. <laughs> Right. Oh. Mm. But yes. So there's that. But naturally, that rabbit hole. That rabbit hole was personally terribly, terribly triggering, as would be expected, right? It's the essence of your trauma and sort of most of the erotica around this type of stuff. This pedophilic erotica is... Man, it just shows, especially like the queer stuff, right? Of sort of sexual awakening and all this stuff. Shows some terribly difficult scenarios that are just pretty much people who had sexual abuse as a child telling that story like graphically <laughs> they telling it as it is right it was a sexual abuse story here's the sexual abuse here's the actual sex scene of that sexual abuse here it is presented in the porn section but yeah, I don't think it's really in the porn section, right? <laughs> it's not really in the porn. It, it's in the sexual media section of the store, right? Like media about sex, which includes media about childhood sexual trauma, inevitably. And you can sort of look there and relive your shit and deal with your shit and commiserate with other people who experience similar stuff rather than you know getting your rocks off or something <laughs> like the part where you're actually violently sexually aroused by this media it's yeah, some of it is intended and can be looked at through that lens. Another portion of it is just sexual awakening stories just between children. Sort of, yeah, sexual awakening stories which can be healthy or terribly healthy. And others are just sexual abuse stories and people trying to deal with their trauma through art, through sharing the story as a comic book of some kind. Yeah, man. Yeah, people live some hella experiences. <laughs> yeah, it gets real. It's like, what? You look at porn of children? Yeah, if you actually took the time to actually deal with your own issues, <laughs> you'd find out that there is some 
people trying to deal with some rough shit through the so-called media of porn of children, right? It's like very clearly a drawing of something that really happened to them. <laughs> right? The fantasy stuff that is sort of pederastically inclined. The glorifying stuff is very clear, but the outright trauma content, just wow. <laughs> Just, just, wow, right? And well, it helped me sort of face and deal with that side of things within myself, right? To sort of see the healthy and the unhealthy, to sort of hear other people's stories, to sort of revisit re-look at and face these kinds of memories. Right? The sort of additional part of... Yeah, the additional part of this occurring in a sort of so-called pornographic, pornographic context is man it's weird it's like it's sort of like sexual trauma therapy which is like man <laughs> using the sexual context to treat sexual trauma is extremely risky <laughs> this is not not recommended at all it's not recommended at all. Really not recommended. But yeah, so what do we like learn from this if we sort of integrate this stuff with the enlightenment stuff, right? Sort of It's peculiar. It's peculiar, man. Because sex, much like anything, can result in numinous experiences, can result in a sense and encounters with the sacred as much as it can lead to trauma. But yeah, man, just, just woof, man. <laughs> oh. But that stuff remains. I think that sort of as much as a sort of dealt with all the psychological stuff, right? The sort of... The sort of secondary levels of trauma, right? Secondary or like re-traumatization, right? 
the enlightenment and the spiritual practice and the psychedelic experience and numinous experience sort of brings you to a place where I can face and sort of talk about and share and discuss this stuff and look at the actual memories and actually have like visionary experiences in which I actually go into the part of the vision space that represents all this traumatic material, which you can pretty much call hell, the dark side or the cliff off, right? The shell or the shadow side of the tree of life in Kabbalah. And sort of go there and check out all these demons, all these traumas, all these negative things. Like, I've sat down and talked my depression in the visionary space, right? You can sort of have a therapeutic visionary experience, a shamanic journey directed towards or visualization experience used for visionary inquiry into these topics and sort of not necessarily exactly replaying the actual memory of the experience, but sort of working within an expanded numinous context with the essential content of the experience, right? With the soul or the essential feelings of the trauma about it transformed into various visionary forms, summoned as entities to discuss this with, summoning your childhood self and talking about this with them and coming to a conclusion about it and bringing some closure to all these experiences and integrating it with where you are now right it's all an integration practice it's all an integration practice because that's what happens right the first step is sort of to get enlightened, <laughs> right? Actually go for it and get there. It's doable. You can do it in six weeks with the right tools and right methods. You can do it for damn sure. It's doable. But it's not something worth pursuing for no good reason, right? It's just as psychedelic as the most psychedelic experience you want. It's a big change and not one to be taken lightly. And it's not a panacea either. It's not a panacea either. But it has its benefits. It has its benefits. my life would likely be a lot worse without it. I wouldn't have made it this long. 
<laughs> I don't think I would have made it this long because it gives me some kind of ground in the groundless state, a kind of safe space to find balance and equanimity and tranquility, right? Gives me a true north, some sense of firm direction or ground under me that I, that I can say that, okay, this is the norm. This is something temporary. I can say this is the norm. This is a temporary deviation from the norm. And sort of that temporary deviation from the norm is, is simply that. It's impermanent. And you can return again. It's the same thing with recovery from trauma and all these other things, right? You sort of keep developing this strong norm which you maintain and there are deviations from that norm and you notice them as deviations, right? Whether they're positive or negative, whether it's pleasure or pain. And after those deviations subside, you sort of rebuild, you reintegrate into the norm and you proceed in the new normal a normal that has been enriched by deviation. And so after enlightenment is attained, you sort of proceed through the process of deconditioning for one and actually integrating the enlightenment experience, right? It's like, oh, there's actually this numinous part of myself. There's like other, there's like a second mind. There's a spirit here, a soul, right? And now I must like deal with having the soul as a part of me that I didn't notice at all before. And you sort of learn how to manage the world with this new part. You sort of start over in that sense and rebuild everything. And you sort of integrate it and integrate it and integrate it and integrate it. And sort of all the habits and behaviors are deconditioned and removed. A lot of change occurs in that integrating process until you sort of fully come to terms with it, right? And you can sort of fully come to terms with it. You're like, okay, eventually you finally accept that you went out looking for enlightenment and well, I found it. Holy shit, I actually found the thing, right? The books are sort of not quite right about it. Or maybe the language they use is just so foreign in comparison to the language I would use and use to describe it. 
even if the experience is fairly similar and fairly universal. Like experiencing God, numerous experiences, man. Numerous experiences are not special. They're a part of being human, right? They're a part of the things we can experience as human beings. It's a very basic, fundamental thing that is just there. <laughs> that is just there, 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 there. And so you do that, right? You get enlightened, and then you integrate enlightenment, which is sort of the second phase. And then sort of at the end of your integration, you ask yourself the question, right? Okay, if there was a point before enlightenment, a point when I wasn't enlightened, a point where I wasn't aware of my own enlightenment or, so, or something like that, right? If there's the sense of a before and after, you kind of ask yourself whether this current moment, right, after integrating, whether there is a kind of second or higher enlightenment, right? A shift into something non-physical, non-psychological, and non-numinous. A fourth category of experience another part of ourselves that are common to us all, that is easily accessible, but that we haven't noticed for most, for our lives so far. And that leads to the question of how many other types of these enlightenments, these categories, these dimensions, whatever you wish to call them, these aspects of ourselves, are we still unaware of? Are busy functioning at the highest rate? And so the limit is really not known. And there are enough clues that there's something, at least one thing beyond sort of the initial enlightenment. <laughs> 